It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. This is Anthony Weiner. Thank you for joining me on The Middle. The Middle, because facts are neither left nor right. A beautiful day here, a beautiful Saturday on the east side of Manhattan. If you think about it, we have not had a lot of nice Saturdays. This is a beautiful one. So great to have you along. We've got Christian on the board. Cordo's taking your calls. And Ava supervising. Good for her. Talented woman helping us put this all together. So great to have you along. I'll be here until 4 o'clock. And then there's no mystery this this week. You've probably seen the ads in the post. You've probably heard other hosts around here going on and on about it. You've heard Curtis complain about it. I will be debating this week on left versus right, Dominic Carter. i got to hand it to the bosses around here. They are turning up the volume on these left versus right debates every week, a little bit more intense. For those of you who have not been following it, who just tune in for my show or listen to the podcast, definitely start to make appointment listening left versus right because it's 2024. This is an election year. They're voting in in South Carolina as we speak. So we're having old-fashioned kind of, you know, left versus right, true debates. And it started out quite surreptitiously when Curtis Lewa wasn't feeling great. And John Katzmatidis, who is not only the owner of the place, but he's also a host here and does the issues every day on his show at 5 o'clock. He said, let's go have a debate. And from there, it uh, Roger Stone was a couple episodes. And now they're, they're starting to call in the heavyweights. And by the way, here's the thing about Dominic. Dominic and I have known each other a very long time. He used to be over at New York One when I was in politics. He is He does a terrific show at midnight every weeknight here. But... The guy's a little bit punchy already. I, you know, I go on LinkedIn. I don't go on a lot, but I go on LinkedIn and I see this. I'm not a big social media guy anymore. Go ahead. You can laugh all you want about my past, but I don't have a social media guy anymore. And this is what Dominic posts yesterday. Four to five Saturday talk radio. I hope Mr. Wiener is ready. Thank you. He calls me Mr. Wiener. He's still, he's a formal guy. He goes left and he will be called out for real with no double talk. Our country can't afford this. And then one, two, three exclamation points. Far left policies. You can also listen around the country. Well, I got this to say to you, Dominic. Bring it on, Chicky. I don't do my talking in social media posts. We're going to have a good debate at 4 o'clock, and I look forward to it. If you'd like to tune in, you can do it 
on uh, the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you miss any part of the show, you can tune in to WBCRadio.com. You can hear it all over the country on a clear day like this, up and down the eastern seaboard. But it's great to have you along another very busy week. As I mentioned, they're voting in South Carolina today. The Republican nomination is not really in doubt. It's going to be Donald Trump. But Nikki Haley's hanging around. And she's going to get squashed today in her home state. South Carolina is exactly the kind of state that Donald Trump does the best in, a lot of white evangelicals. So he is going to win. But she ain't going anywhere. At least that's what she says. You heard that cut that James Flippin played on the, on the way in. She says she's sticking around. She raised more money than Donald Trump in January, which is pretty impressive. So we'll see what winds up. If I had a guess, I mean, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later with Dominic. But if I had a guess, she stands up tonight and says we're going to Super Tuesday or something like that. We're not dropping out. But, look, she's not going to win. But she is certainly um, creating a problem. And as I've said in the past, if you look at Donald Trump's results, he got half the Republican vote in in Iowa, over a little over half in um, in New Hampshire. So that means there's a good portion of the Republican base that's not happy with him, just like there probably is a part of the de- of the Democratic base that's not happy with uh, with Joe Biden. Uh, a little bit of a rough week for me. A close friend of mine, my friend uh, Jerry Crystal, passed away in a car accident. Hey, I said this to to Huma, and I mentioned it to Jordan. I should say it to all of you as well. Um, If you're ever in a situation where your car is disabled, you're waiting to have a flat tire fix or something, get out of the car and wait on the side of the road as far as you can from the car. Um, Because people, I mean, it's a dangerous place to be. So I'll be going to a memorial for him, and I keep him in my prayers. And also I found out a lot of you predicted this about a year ago when I had my eye operated on for a, a cataract. Many people called in and said, did you only have one or did you have both? And I've said, well, I've only needed in one. And most of the smart callers and smart emailers said, uh, don't you have both those eyes for about the same time? And the answer is yes, I've had them for 59 years. And so the other one now needs to have it. So that's I'll probably get that done in a month or so. So a little bit bit of uh, choppy news uh, in my week, but overall, very grateful to be here. Let's get to some of the numbers of the week. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 is how you can call in and be part of the show. WienerWABC at gmail.com. A lot of lovely emails and notes and social media posts about our 100th episode last week. Really grateful for all the support. But let's go to some of these numbers. One number is $5 million. $5 million that... Um, and if you remember this, prove might wrong challenge. Mike Lindell, um, the my pillow guy, said, "I've got all this data that shows the Chinese hacked into the election systems in the United States. If anyone can prove me wrong, I'll give him five million dollars." Well, some some pro-Trump guy showed up at this at this rally where he was saying it. He got the data. He proved him wrong. Mike Lindell said, "I don't want to pay." An arbitrator says, "You have to pay." He, uh, Mike Lindell went into a court and says, I still don't want to pay. And the court this week says, you got to pay the guy, so he'll be $5 million lighter. Um, speaking about court proceedings that are very expensive, here's another number of this week. 112000 It is going to cost Donald Trump $112,000 a day in interest payments. As he awaits the appeal of his of the decision that he owes about three hundred fifty million dollars in the New York fraud case, so that ain't nothing. I don't know what's going to happen on the appeal. Um, 
I'm not a real expert on this stuff. So far, the arguments I've heard coming out from Donald Trump and his lawyers don't seem like the kind of stuff that you can appeal things over. Like, for example, he says, well, we didn't get a jury trial. Well, it's part of state law that you don't necessarily get a jury trial. Um, we, well, it was a lot of money. Well, the money, most of the totals for the money came directly out of Donald Trump's own documents. They took things like they took the assessments and evaluations that Donald Trump had made by his own assessors and used that money. So I could be wrong. Look, this is why we have an appellate division and a court of appeals in New York State. He has two appeals he can still do. But in the interim, he has to put the money in the basically in escrow and it's costing him a lot of money. Another poll came out this week. There are polls just about every day. But this one said something that is very commonly heard. Seventy percent in the Quinnipiac poll of 1,421 registered voters nationwide. Seventy percent say agreed with the statement Biden is too old to be president. But the other interesting thing about that poll, he's leading by four points in that poll. So people are obviously holding both he's too old and he uh, we want and we we choose him over the other guy. But the polls are, you know, polls uh, are going to be the same basically in the 47, 45 neighborhood straight through to the election. And um, just like the Santos district was one and two points, I think it settles in in a certain place and independents are going to decide it. And I think they're going to break for Joe Biden. But we'll see. we got plenty of time for that. And the final number of the week is 125. 125 Republican members of Congress are supporters of something that is actually in the Republican platform from three years ago and from two, four years before that. They all support the Life at Conception Act. And I will read the description of it so I, do, I, I get it completely right. This bill declares that the right to life guaranteed by the Constitution is vested in each human being at all stages, including the moment of fertilization, cloning, or any other, um, I think this says, moment which an individual comes into being. Now, why do I make that one of the numbers of the week? Because, Because of that language and because of the Hobbes decision that left it to the states to figure out these questions, not protected it as a constitutional right for a woman, her family, Etc. And they said it goes to the states. The state of Alabama um, basically passed a law very much like the one I just I just uh, um, read. Uh, and the Alabama Supreme Court read that law, that that Alabama law, and they decided that frozen embryos and test tubes as part of in vitro fertilization shall be um protected life, and to take that life means that you're a criminal. In other words, in the state of Alabama, and theoretically, anywhere that you have someone passing laws saying that life begins at conception or at any stage, IVF treatment stopped that moment in Alabama, and there are other lawsuits like that around the country, that if you freeze an embryo, and and from I'm not an expert at IVF, I know that when I was in Congress, and I represented um, a very heavily uh, um, Orthodox Jewish community that for, you know, for which, you know, the notion of being fruitful and multiply is renowned. I worked very hard to have included in Obamacare uh, the idea that 
any insurance company will have to cover in vitro fertilization. It's very expensive because about one in uh, one in eight women, I believe, and one in ten men. This is a problem, and the idea of allowing people like that to have families, to me, I believe, is a very important thing. And IVF is expensive, but it, it involves, and again, I'm not an expert in this, it involves extracting as many embryos as possible because you don't know what's going to take as part of IVF. And anyone has experience with this that wants to call in, 800-848-WABC. So the state of Alabama, that court didn't get it wrong. It's not like the court overreached. All the court did was it took this Alabama law that basically was very similar to what I just read is being um, is being replicated in other places, which is basically, you know, there are people who argue that life begins at conception. So an embryo can't be frozen. An embryo can't be stored. An embryo has rights. An embryo can't be transported. And so now. The Republican Party is bending over backwards to try to say, oh, we didn't mean that. Well, that's the problem. When legislatures, mostly men, decide they want to make decisions about these types of things. You know, I always wonder where the real conservatives are when you have conversations like this. True and real conservatives would say, wait a minute, government should not get to make a decision whether someone can have IVF treatments or not. That's not the role of government. And I, a liberal with libertarian, lib-libertarian instincts, says the best argument against uh, to, to protect a woman's right over her own body is the small government argument, meaning government should not be making these kinds of rules. But now Donald Trump has said, oh, no, I support IVF. Oh, no, says J- Speaker Johnson, the, the God-fearing Speaker Johnson, who is one of those 125 Republicans. And I say to my Republican brothers and sisters who said, oh, my God, the Supreme Court did the right thing, striking down a woman's um, a, a right to, to autonomy over her body. Leave it to the states, everyone said. Leave it to the states. Well, now it's in the states. And now IVF is not being uh, offered in Alabama, and they have to figure out how to fix it, and other states are dealing with the same problem. And if you think that this is the kind of issue that doesn't animate a lot of people, you and I, my fellow listener, have to acknowledge something. We as people who talk every day on 77 WABC, the best talk and political and opinion radio station in the entire country, we focus a lot of our brain power on thinking about political issues and thinking about polls and thinking about the issues in Washington and everything else. There are a lot of Americans who don't. A lot of Americans who, you know, they look up every once in a while to see what's going on and maybe they decide to vote, maybe they don't. But if they start looking up and saying, wait a minute, one party wants to take away the right of a family to try to have to, to, to a man and a woman to try to have children or, or a gay couple to try to have children through IVF. Then they're going to start to say that whoever believes that is not on my side. That's why Republicans are running away, running away from that Alabama decision. But that Alabama decision was not crazy. Once you take what I just read you and I'm going to read you again what 125 um, members of the House of Representatives, all all Republicans. This is the Life at Conception Act, and this is not some far out there thing. This is the platform of the Republican Party that they're all running away from. I'm going to read it to you. This bill declares that the right to life guaranteed by the Constitution invested is vested in each human being at all stages, including the moment of fertilization, cloning, 
or other moments which an individual comes into being. So that court in Alabama that said this for, and the way the case came out is that a couple had some frozen embryos that were accidentally destroyed and they want to hold the clinic criminally liable for harming a person. And so IVF facilities all throughout Alabama have stopped functioning and all throughout the country they're starting to have second thoughts. The Republican Party is the party that is, that that's their platform. So, you know, if you think that this is just, oh, I'm not any more of childbearing age or I don't care or whatever it is, I can tell you it's the kind of issue that is going to really animate people. And it's the kind of issue that makes a lot of people blood boiling because they blood boil because they say is, you know, these guys, they say they're pro-life. They say they're pro-family. And here it is, the ultimate expression of someone struggling to have children. And we're going to be so blind to the impact that we're going to like race into these into, into making rules for, for families, making rules for women on, on, on what they do with their body, that we're going to stumble into this problem. And now Alabama is going to try to fix it. States around the country are going to try to fix it. Speaker Johnson just came out with a statement. Donald Trump just came out with a statement. Oh, never mind. We don't mean that. Well, here's a, a suggestion from your from a friend on the other side of the aisle. How about this first statement? We, the Republican Party, don't believe as conservatives that government should be making decisions for women and their health care. Boom. How about that? We're conservatives. We believe that. So. I mean, and, and here's the other thing. It's a presidential election. I, are they now going to say, OK, this is no longer part of the Republican platform? So it's problematic for them. So that's one issue. Another issue I want to get into, I know you're going to think, I have about a third of my audience who just, I can hear the clicking sound when I go into this subject. But there's another third who can't get enough of it. And then there's the final third that just does not, does not understand how it keeps being an issue. And that is the Hunter Biden Chronicles. And if you think that Hunter Biden, the Hunter Biden issue, the investigation of Hunter Biden, the impeachment of his father, things like that. If you thought it could not get crazier, this week we had Russian spies and sniffing sawdust. And we'll be right back on The Middle. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings.
Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along. That is Everclear with AM Radio. And I wonder why Christian's playing that. I think I have. I think I have an explanation. So like many of you, I was watching Donald Trump speak at a campaign event the other day. And I'm like, I don't agree with this guy on anything. And then, then he surprises me. Takes a little swerve. Takes a little swerve and like, I don't know where he's going with his conversation. You know, sometimes he rambles a little bit. And then he says something that Anthony Weiner agrees with 100%. I will protect the content that is pro-God. We're going to protect pro-God context and content. To that end, at the request of the NRB, I will do my part to protect AM radio in our cars. You know, we like to listen to AM radio. Because you know what we're listening to. That's my guy, Donald Trump, AM radio in the car. Exactly. I don't know what that other stuff was. I don't know what NRB is. I don't know what he means about the context of God. But anyway, he's exactly right. So if you say, Anthony, how come you never agree with anything Donald Trump says? I can. That's not true. He's absolutely right. We need to keep AM radio available in our cars. If for no other reason, I don't know if you're familiar with this as an issue, if you know that that now is as cars have gotten more high tech there has been this you know this effort by some to eliminate not only am but also fm radio but take it out you know when we have an emergency when we really need to communicate with our populace we saw this week that three cell phone services went down and am radio is still the most effective way to communicate as a community in a broad, you know, broadcast in the literal sense of the word. So Donald Trump is exactly right there. But here it is. I'm watching this. I'm watching Donald Trump speak. And I know you're thinking there's no way you actually watch Donald Trump. I do because I find, first of all, it helps me prepare for the show. 800-848-WABC, by the way, 800-848-9222. Um, I do. But then something Happens, and I always and the only place to really watch it is either on like one of these conservative shows like OAN or Fox News. Fox News still takes Donald Trump's. He doesn't do it in, in their entire one wire to wire. So Donald Trump is speaking, and he's doing what he usually does, which is just pulling stuff out of his tuchus, making stuff up, getting stuff wrong, and then as he's talking, the host of the show, Neil Cavuto, breaks in and says this. All right, we're continuing monitoring of the president's remarks, and I mean no offense to him, or some of you might want to continue hearing, but I did have to say that even though the former president is entitled to his opinions, he's not entitled to his own set of facts. The market has indeed been going up, but having nothing to do with him and everything to do with this aggressive cut in interest rates, uh, or just a hiking in interest rates and stabilized inflation, and of course the whole uh, artificial intelligence phenomenon that has benefited NVIDIA and a host of companies that are making money hand over fist. So that... Uh, whether you want to give Biden credit for that, has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Furthermore, he mentioned about gas prices out of whack, $6 a gallon. The national average right now is $3.26 uh, a, a gallon. He went on to talk about the uh, 20 
2020 election and how that was rigged. Uh, this has been adjudicated many, many times, dozens of times. It's been investigated uh, by everyone and its uncle. No fewer than 44 investigations launched, some of them by judges that were uh, picked by Donald Trump himself that found no evidence of that in the seven battleground states where most of them were focused. Donald Trump lost each and every one of those states. So I, I play that not to make any larger point than, you know, a lot of people said, even me, said that when Fox lost that suit by, because they were spreading false stories about election conspiracies, when they lost that suit um, to the uh, to that comp- that um, election technology company and they fired Tucker Carlson and they were forced to pay 700 and something million dollars. A lot of people, myself included, said, I don't think it's going to change anything. I think you're still going to have situations. And it was argued just, you know, it was argued, I don't know, you you might see them being more responsible about repeating things on the air, even to their conservative audience that are not true. And that's Neil Cavuto is a fairly conservative guy and obviously on Fox News. Now, there are still opinion things on Fox News and the other conservative places. It's very similar to what happens here, like. Our news blocks at the top with James Flippin and, and Noam Layton and others, they are free from the politics. That's the information part. And I like to think that I bring some information too, but obviously I have my biases. But, you know, and then we have opinion shows. We have people that state their opinions. At 4 o'clock, me and Dominic Carter are going to be hitting each other with opinions. But what do you do when you have a presidential candidate that you're reporting during the news part of your program who's saying stuff that is wrong, that are better, I don't know what word to use, that are not true? And Fox News just cut right in and said, I'm, we're going to correct them even though we're a right-wing station and good luck for them. But I said that there are, I said that there are opinion guys on the other side. One of them is Sean Hannity and he stepped in it this week. And I have to admit, I had not heard about this story until I was on with Curtis, and Curtis asked me about the story. He says, what is this about Hunter Biden inhaling sawdust? And I'm like, what? I said this on the air. I, I, had, I didn't know anything about this. And uh, so I went and I looked it up, and Sean Hannity was all over this story. Let's listen to Sean Hannity describe it on his show. Take a look at this photo right here. Look at that photo uh, from his phone that the government – Prosecutors claim show lines of cocaine. That's what the government prosecutors are saying. They're saying that's sawdust. Take a good look at the sawdust that lined up in perfect little lines. Um, take a close look. Does that look like sawdust to you? We'll let you decide that. Well, the answer is it did. It was sawdust. And it wasn't a picture on his phone. So I went and I looked up this story because, again, one of the wonderful things about having the opportunity to speak to all of you between 2 and 4 and to hear your side and I get is that I get to clear up some of these things and I also get to kind of look into it. that's how I started on the Hunter laptop thing to begin with I'm like hey I keep hearing about it I'm going to give it some attention so it was not a picture that Hunter Biden had taken that they found in his phone it was a picture of another picture it's in a frame if you go online and look it up it's a framed photograph and it is in a woodworking shop you can see the saw in the background and there's sawdust everywhere and three lines of sawdust are lined up. So what is this story about? Well, the story is about the email exchange that it came from was from his therapist that uh, and a sobriety coach who was telling Hunter the story about how this guy was a had decided 
to throw himself into his art as a way of ending his addiction. And this guy's particular art, not Hunter's, this other guy, his art was woodworking. And so that picture was a picture that this second person sent to Hunter's therapist. And Hunter's therapist sent it to Hunter to say, look at how this guy's dealing with his urges and his things. And and it was a picture. It really was sawdust lined up there. Um, now, the way Hannity tells the story, you're supposed to say, that's ridiculous. There's no way. It's cocaine, obviously. And as Curtis said when we were on the other day, he said next they're going to find out there's actually bags of sawdust that they found at the White House and not cocaine. But that's just a funny little aside. The real news of this week, and I touched on it briefly, and we'll take some calls on it if people want to call in about it, is that there has been a rhythm to this Hunter Biden laptop story and how they've tried to make it about Joe Biden. And the rhythm of it is that Hunter Biden – Traded on his father's name, traded on the Biden name to get business, to raise some money, to get put on boards, etc. Um, that happens. It's sleazy. I don't like it. People trade on on their names. The Trumps did it. The, you know, uh, Jared Kushner got billions of dollars when he left office um, for for uh, from the Saudis. That you know, having no investment experience, his. His daughter, Trump's daughter, got a bunch of trademarks in China that they never grant. All this kind of stuff. So it's sleazy. But the one thing that it doesn't really do is it doesn't involve Joe Biden very much. And then on these airwaves and a lot of other places, um, we hear hear over and over again, every couple of weeks, a smoking gun, we finally found it. And then quietly it turns out the smoking gun wasn't anything. Like they found, oh, there's money going from Joe Biden, $1,250 a month. It turns out it was for a car payment, you know, that kind of a thing. And um, you keep hearing about smoking gun, smoking gun, smoking gun. And then whatever, then the smoking gun doesn't become a smoking gun. It, it, it fizzles out in some way. And the Republicans go on and move to something else. And increasingly, it's very frustrating. But when we come back, I'm going to play you the latest chapter in this story. And this one is more than just someone got something wrong. This one involves international intrigue, political, you know, boneheadedness, and maybe a true case of election interference, but not against Donald Trump, once again against Joe Biden. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner, 800-848-WABC. So great to have you along. I'll be here until 4 o'clock. And then left versus right with me versus, that's right, Dominic Carter. We'll see you on the other side. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
Well, welcome back to the middle. That is uh, Foster the People would sit next to me. 800-84-WABC is our phone number. I'll be here until 4 o'clock. Then, Cur- then Dominic Carter, I almost said Curtis. By the way, have you heard Curtis complaining about this? I, he's He's got a little bit of a beef here because he did, not only did he train me, he helped train Dominic. He's kind of become the custom motto of our organization here, but... Uh, me and Dominic will be going on to left versus right. All right, so let me try to set this up for those of you who have not. You've heard a lot about Hunter Biden, but there isn't anything that so far that links Hunter Biden to Joe Biden, except that you wouldn't know that from listening to a lot of folks here on the radio and on Fox News and other places and people in Congress. And if you ever hear anyone say Joe Biden accepted a bribe from from a Ukrainian energy company or something like that, What it comes back to is in May of 2023, well after the Hunter Biden craziness was well underway, this guy from Iowa, a senator from Iowa named Chuck Chuck Grassley, he went on the floor of the United States Senate and dropped a bomb, a bombshell. And he says that he had learned that there was this document that the FBI had and it reveals a criminal, and there's a quote now, a criminal scheme involving the then Vice President Biden. And what he is referring to, and he also went on to say that how come we haven't heard about this? Is the FBI covering this up? This big thing. What he was referring to is that there's a document called a Form 1023, which is an FBI document, which is basically a tip form where a tip comes in, it gets written down on that form. Someone says... Something serious, someone says something not serious, it doesn't matter, it all goes on to a Form 1023. And it became a fixation for Republicans, this 1022, we got to get it, we got to get it. Um, and they they made so much out of this, even though the FBI, even though this document was in their hands since 2020, when Joe, when Donald Trump was president, when they were trying to find anything they could on the Bidens, They've, that's how long they've, this document has been in the, is their hands. And like, and this document comes out and the Republicans are way out there on how, on, on this, on this guy who says that he witnessed a bribe to J- Joe Biden and to Hunter Biden. Elise Stefanik, she said, and this is a quote, this is the biggest political corruption scandal, not only in my lifetime, but I would say in the past hundred years. And she wasn't alone. Cut five. And James Comer says he and his colleagues plan to drop a bombshell. It's going to be judgment day tomorrow for the White House. You have the confidential FBI informant who's basically saying that Joe Biden took five million dollars from Burisma. The informant was a you know, highly valued human source for the FBI. A trusted, highly credible informant. A trusted, confidential informant. They had a they credible source, one of their good sources. Their most credible paid FBI informant. We uh, have determined that whistleblower is extremely credible. The details come from an FBI informant who is very trusted. A highly reliable informant that has always checked out all the information he's ever given us has checked out. A confidential human source that had been reliable previously to the FBI. A confidential human source gave credible information. This FD-1023 is damning. I do a podcast three days a week, Verdict with Ted Cruz. The podcast has gone into the details. This is a very crucial piece of our investigation. So that's those are all Republicans. That was all 
real stuff from members of I think all of them were members of Congress and United States senators about this document. They finally they bludgeoned the FBI. The FBI said, we don't think we should release this. They demanded it from the FBI and they finally handed it over to Congress and they were warned. So they should not have been surprised with the news that came out last week. That's cut six. This morning, we're also learning more about the arrest of that FBI informant tied to the Hunter Biden case. Prosecutors now revealing that informant was in contact with Russian intelligence officials. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles joins us with more. Ryan, good morning. What's the latest? Yes, Savannah, good morning. Alexander Smirnov appeared yesterday in a Las Vegas federal court to face charges over allegedly lying to the FBI, particularly about claiming that Joe Biden accepted bribes to benefit Hunter's businesses. Now, it's a claim that's central to the impeachment probe and one often repeated by Republicans. But the bombshell came when David Weiss, that same special counsel who has charged Hunter Biden, alleged that Smirnov lied and that he admitted to working with Russian intelligence officials. So not only did the guy lie, but all these FBI warnings to the Republicans, don't get too far out over your skis about this. Not only did he lie, but the Republican independent counsel who is prosecuting Hunter Biden, he finds out that this guy's working with Russian intelligence. Now, should we be surprised at that? No. Russian, the Russians tried to, uh, and successfully hacked the election in 2016. They tried to do it again in 2020. So why should we think it should be any different now? The Hunter, the Joe Biden impeachment is being aided by Russian intelligence with the help of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. Not really as much in the Senate, but in the House of Representatives. So you would think that with that, people like James Comer would be sorry. At the, at the end of the day, he wasn't an important part of this investigation because I didn't even know who he was. Wait a minute. That's the same James Comer who was saying that this is crucial? Let's hear that again. At the, at the end of the day, he wasn't an important part of this investigation because I didn't even know who he was. He's the only one you guys talked about for months and months and months. So obviously James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, headed the Oversight Committee. Is undeterred, but I have a question for you, my listeners, and for all of those. If you were being told by the FBI, and we know this because Republicans in Congress said you were, Ken Buck, who's a Republican, you know, he said, he said the FBI handled this allegation the way every professional law enforcement agency should. And he's a former prosecutor. You don't go running, this is him talking, you don't go running to the press every time a witness says something because you don't know the reliability of the testimony. It was premature to go out and tout this, how significant this was without knowing the reliability of the testimony. And I have a question. How do we know that James Comer and Jim Jordan and these other guys, if this witness was compromised by Russian intelligence, how come we are so sure that the, the person who was, that these people who were trying to get it on our televisions wasn't also compromised? Do we really think that they would just go to one FBI informant and try to give him information? Why do we think he wouldn't go to James Comer, the, 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 the Russians? The Russians obviously want Joe Biden to be, to be impeached. And once again, I try not to rely on mainstream media. I try to only rely on conservative outlets. 
But John Roberts of Fox News, I think, spoke for the entire country when he said this. But here's here's the thing. So they've got a lot of receipts with Hunter Biden. They've got a bunch of receipts with Jim Biden as well. But so far, there's nothing to connect all of that to the president in any kind of way that looks like it's illegal or, or even potentially unethical. Mm-hmm. How much longer can this probe go on before the Republicans have to either put up or move on? Well, here's what I want to know. That's the right question. But I'm not ready to move on. Now I want the Senate. I want the Senate to call a hearing on what happened with this Smirnoff case to find out how deep the tentacles of Russian intelligence are on the House Oversight Committee and the House Judiciary Committee. I want to call this guy Ken Buck and say, well, you guys were warned this might not be reliable. I want to call Stefanik. I want to call Anna Paulina Luna, who said the document was concrete evidence of what Republicans had suspected. I want to call Jim Jordan. I want to call Josh Hawley. I want to call all these guys and say, wait a minute, we now know the Russians were behind this. We now know that you guys were all warned, don't get too far out ahead on this document because we can't re- we depend upon it. We all know that you went out and you said this was a smoking gun and you and you you the Miranda Devines in the world didn't say this this is a big deal, but let's check it out. She came on these airwaves and, and talked about five million dollar bribes. And then it got exaggerated to other people on these airwaves saying billion-dollar bribes, $50 million bribes. It all came from this one guy who was working for Russian intelligence. So I don't want to walk away from this thing anymore. I want to have hearings now about what the Republicans knew about this guy and were they working with him. Because a array of the FBI repeatedly told members of Congress that he and he said this publicly. I don't want to re- start releasing every tip sheet that comes in on everything because you can't always rely upon them. And we now know that this thing came in in 2020, this tip. From a guy who freely admits that he did it because he wanted to stop Joe Biden from getting elected. And now he's just been this guy. Shmirnov has just been arrested because they said he's a flight risk because he's working with the Russians. Jim Jordan, raise your right hand. I want to know what you know about this Russian effort. Comer, raise your right hand. I want to find out what you know. They're not walking away now. Now I want the Hunter Biden case to continue. It's not silly anymore. Now we know. That it's Russian disinformation being fed to members of the United States Congress and them not only swallowing it, but going on and on and on on United States airwaves about it as if it is a fact when, in fact, it was Russian election interference once again to try to get Donald Trump elected. I want hearings and we'll be right back. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
and welcome back to The Middle. That's Marshall Crenshaw bringing us back in. If you miss any part of The Middle, you can always get it as a podcast that goes up anywhere you get your podcast. Also, in, uh, if you get you want a little more of The Middle, there's The Middle Unplugged, which comes out every Wednesday, the middle of the week. Get it. Episode 70, which is in your feed right now, is a kind of a primer and update on the hush fund case against Donald Trump. Some of the facts about that, what the contentions are. And you got to download that in a separate feed. WienerWABC at gmail.com is where you can reach out to me via email. And, of course, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And uh, I'll be here until 4 o'clock. And then, Curtis, I did it again. And then Dominic Carter comes in for left versus right as we – listen, we are if, – if you are interested in the issues, the politics, the polling, the – the perspectives of the 2024 election, you've come to the right place. And as part of that commitment, Chad Lopez, John Katsimatidis, Margot, you know, they said, let's start having some real kind of debates, not one hand clapping. That's part of why they have me on the air. So it's not all one thing. This is, you know, this, no one is told they have to leave their perspective at the door, leave their biases at the door. We all have them. The whole idea is that you get exposed to to more things. And people say to me, well, Anthony, you're not really the middle. You're left. I say it's not me that's the middle. It's the facts that are the middle. The facts are neither left nor right. And what happened with this Hunter Biden case and what happened with this thing is that all kinds of stuff comes over the transom in law enforcement. And any number of our listeners who are in law enforcement will tell you this, that you try to figure out the veracity of a thing. Sometimes you get contradictory information, everything. So you got to look at the motives that people have. And we now have information that, that, you know, from Congressman Buck, who's a, who's a, a Republican, that his Republican colleagues were warned over and over and over again that the FBI informants claims at the center that they were making, saying this is the biggest scandal in 100 years could not be corroborated. And now we understand that it's worse than that. Worse than couldn't be corroborated. They were being promoted and fed by Russian intelligence. And that should be of no surprise. When, according to the Trump administration, the Russians were involved in trying to influence that election. And I would argue successfully that's the Trump intelligence agencies came up with that. 2020, we were told they were trying again. So it's, it's, not, it's no surprise. I mean, Putin's trying to influence our election. But now you have members of the United States Congress who are, who are basically in on it. And rather than mea culpa Matt, rather than saying i'm sorry here's what we need to do now let's have some hearings let's make them say you know here's what we knew and here's when we knew it about the the russian role in this effort to impeach joe biden now what does it mean to hunter biden's prosecution i don't know most of the stuff in this gun case where he got a gun with that he shouldn't have gotten because the the tax thing doesn't really have any i well, I, I don't know you can make the argument that all of the stuff about him getting bribes and his father getting bribes and taking bribes infected his his right to a fair trial? Maybe, but I don't think it really impacts it that much. But the fact that it's the Republican prosecutor who is prosecuting now this FBI. The other thing interesting about this, you very rarely see the FBI burn one of its sources so publicly like this because, you know, they don't usually like to do that. So this guy was obviously just we're just hearing kind of the tip of the iceberg about the lies these guys were making up and the idea he was originally released they went and rearrested him at his lawyer's office when he come it became clear that this guy was a flight risk because of his connections with the russians 
So I had intended an hour or two to flip the script and do a little more foreign policy about Ukraine and Israel. This is the two-year anniversary of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Maybe we'll take some of that up with Dominic. But there are calls on the board. There are a lot of people that are trying to get in. Um, you know, we talked about this this in vitro fertilization thing. You know, I've been thinking about that a, a little bit. If you think about this culture war stuff that the Republicans have, have made such an important part of their foundation, no IVF, no premarital sex. They don't like gay, transgender people. They like to burn controversial books. They are against reproductive choice. I mean, these aren't culture war things that the Democrats chose to fight about. But I got to tell you, the American people, I think, are on the side of the Democrats on this stuff. They want they they don't like this idea that the government should be in every nook and cranny of our life. That they should be burning books that they don't like or banning books that they don't like. Actually, it was burning. There's a candidate for, I think, um, attorney general in I want to say New Mexico, who literally has an ad out burning books. But we have plenty of time. We have another hour. So on, on, in our second hour, we'll take your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I think Cordos is, is going to be there to take your calls. You want to talk about you know this IVF thing, you want to talk about Hunter Biden, or you want to talk about anything else, I'm here for you. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'll be here until 4 o'clock. Then Dominic Carter comes in for the rumble in the jumble or something like that. It's great to have you along. This is episode 101. It wouldn't be possible without you. And we'll see you after the news break. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. for another hour or so. That's Mark Knopfler and Emily Lou Harris with This Is Us, 800-84-WABC, 800-849-222. And at 4 o'clock, Dominic Carter comes in for a, I'm sure it'll be spirited. I mean, we know each other. It, one of the good things about these debates, uh, Roger Stone's the exception. I don't really know Roger. But 
John and I are friends. We know each other. We know each other a long time. Curtis and I know each other for a long time. I don't, you know, I, I, he's, you know, been a mentor to me around here. Dominic, I go way back with. Interestingly, Dominic and I first got to know each other in 2005 when I was running for mayor and he was at New York one and he was the head. He was running something called Inside City Hall and he would be the, the host of debates and he'd ask tough questions. So we, we know each other pretty well. But that doesn't mean we agree with each other, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to get feisty. And particularly, you know, he's like posting stuff on social media, taking runs at me. He's, but he better settle down. I mean, I am. I, I mean, I'll hit that guy with so many rights, he'll be begging for a left. I mean, rhetorically, of course. All right. So let's get to some of the phone calls. Uh, let's like get Ben in New York to start us off. Hey, Ben, thanks for calling. Hey, Anthony Weiner, listen, uh, you know, we're a matter of weeks away, a couple of months away from American Memorial Day. We should never forget what our veterans do, and we should help them. Info at CoresOfWar.org out of uh, Long Island. They help American veterans and their service animals and pets. That's great. Any, anything else, Ben? Anything about the news of the day you want to discuss? News of the day? You were talking about the longest time about how harmless the illegal invaders are. Out of Staten Island, they want to house them at Fort Wadsworth, a U.S. military base. Well, we're going to have a chance to talk about, I have a feeling, because um, Dominic's obsessed with the issue of talking about the undocumented. Um, but we're going to have a chance to talk about that uh, plenty. Let's go to Adam in Nassau. Hey, Adam, welcome back. How you doing, sir? Hey, Adam. Oh, uh, I didn't yeah. know it was you. Hey, pal. Yeah, Dominic is one of my friends, too, but he, he gets a little feisty with me sometimes. But anyway, sir. You know what you haven't talked about? The guy from the NRA. They shut him down. Letitia James shut him down. Can we get a little light on that right now, please? I don't really know a heck of a lot about the case, and I appreciate it. Adam, you're one of the people, you know, I appreciate your calling. Dominic does a thing that I sometimes get accused of doing, but Dominic really does, which is like he'll shut down someone within five seconds of when they start talking. Um, But, look, from what I understand of the NRA case, that the NRA was being investigated here in New York was being investigated for profligate spending. It's technically a nonprofit. They're technically not supposed. There are limits on how much you can spend on different things. I don't know much about the case. I'll try to revisit it in future episodes. My concern is less about wasteful spending at the NRA in that the NRA is just getting in the way of common sense gun reform, and too many members of Congress are scared to death of them. I got an F from the NRA every year I was in Congress. I've never been so proud to get. A failing grade. Let's go to Rick in Pennsylvania. Hey, Rick, welcome. Okay. I'm going to speak very deliberately. This is a little complicated. Regarding the spiritual aspect of the First Amendment, it's guaranteed in our evaluation of our um, roots as human beings in the spiritual domain. I maintain that we exist before we are physically incarnated. And I believe that this viewpoint is backed up by the First Amendment. It guarantees that I have a right to talk about this, and the Republican Party has a duty to defend it. Now, why do I say this? Because in the 1990s, and listen carefully to this, I was at an astrology conference in Ohio, which has a rich esoteric tradition. And um, after the uh, class, a very elderly woman approached me. She must have been in her late 80s. And she said to me, sir, I want to interrupt you for a second, please. I was observing you the entire time. 
my spirit guide told me to tell you the following. When you were in uh, Colorado, you had a long relationship with a young woman, and uh, you had an accidental pregnancy, and you had an abortion. And uh, my spirit guide communicated with the person who was uh, that, that, uh, that aborted child. And that person, that spirit, communicated through my spirit guide to tell you that they had wished to be your son. Right, and that it would have been great. Well, let me let me just say this. I mean, and Rick, that's that's an interesting story, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. There is a conflict that sometimes arises between someone's religious rights and someone else's rights, or someone's religious beliefs and the laws that get made to pursue those religious beliefs. There is nothing wrong, Rick. I say to you, and if you want to have a series of beliefs about when life begins. Is it before conception? Is it in a previous life? Is it generations ago? Whatever. There is nothing in American life that den- that denies you the right to hold those beliefs. The conversation around a woman's right to reproductive freedom is the idea of at what point do we legislate one group of beliefs against another group of beliefs? At what point do we say, you know what, maybe, just maybe a legislature in Albany, a legislature in in Saris, I don't know where the capital of Florida is, a legislature in Harrisburg, which are by and large men, by and large well-to-do men, by and large well-to-do white men. Maybe, just maybe, they are not the ones that should be making these types of decisions. So the question I say, and I say this with all respect to people like Rick, who have very very deeply held beliefs about when life begins, and he goes even before conception. More power to him. But what this conversation is about is about what decisions we let government make and what decisions we simply say is, hey, we have to leave this to an individual person to make these decisions for themselves, and we have to give them the resources to do it. And that's that's the difference. Um, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Al and Yonkers. Hey, Al, sorry to keep you waiting so long. Oh, thanks, Congressman. Uh, yeah, Congressman, earlier in the segment, you mentioned that the latest poll has uh, President Biden leading uh, former President Trump, uh, which I don't dispute. It's probably true. But I do believe at the end of the uh, when uh, Election Day comes that President Trump will be reelected because I believe uh, he'll run the table. Uh, His path to victory always will have to be the electoral college. He can't win the popular vote. And the other thing is he has a record uh, of law and order when he was president for four years. Uh, The border is resonating with the uh, silent majority in this country. And we saw in history in 68 with the return of Richard Nixon when he ran on a law and order uh, campaign and, and won a narrow victory over Hubert Humphrey and George Wallace. Yeah, I mean, listen, that that that's a well-constructed argument. My uh, whenever I have an opportunity, though, I look at the actual results when people actually vote and you can construct a winning coalition and you can come up with an analysis. We just had a race here in New York that was not a terrible stand in for the rest of the country. It was argued over immigration, which clearly the Republicans want to make the number one issue. It was argued over 
um, uh, it was it was a a Biden district that had been won by Republicans in the past, meaning just a couple of years ago. And that district was not close. It turned out to be eight something points. Now, there are a lot of vagaries of that district. But if you look at every other result, you look at the off year elections that have gone all over the country, the amount that have won for Democrats. If you look at the at the um, midterm elections, if you look at the states where you have people who are running on Trumpian kind of candidacies, they've almost uniformly lost. So and the final thing I would say is putting aside the polls and the speculation and the historical references, if we're going to do any historical reference, don't go back to Hubert Humphrey. Don't go back to Eisenhower. Don't go back to Ronald Reagan. Go back to three years ago. These exact two guys appeared on the ballot. And it wasn't a super close race. Sure, there were, so there were a handful of close states, but it wasn't a super close race. And I just don't think, you know, we sometimes talk ourselves into, well, this is happening and that's happening. It's basically the same electorate. And there aren't a lot of people. Try this exercise in your life, Alan. Thank you so much for calling. I'll do it. I do it from time. Try, try it in your life and our listeners can do the same. Have conversations with someone who voted for Biden last time and say, so you're going to vote for Trump this time or someone who voted for Trump. So you're going to vote for Biden this time. You're not going to find if you find any of those people, I'd be surprised. So then you're down to the people who are in this kind of squishy middle. And there are fewer and fewer of those people. But those are the people that decide states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Arizona and the like. And they don't like what Trump is selling. They didn't then and they don't like it now. They're not crazy about the drama. They're not crazy about the legal problems. They're not crazy about the tweeting. They're not crazy about the nastiness. They're not crazy about the sexual abuse stuff. But it's the same stuff largely that was the was the stuff of a campaign last time. So I think all Joe Biden is going to do or has to do is just say, hey, Remember what you decided in 2020? The one thing that's very hard for people to say is, I got it wrong. Voters don't like to do that. So I think the best indication of future results is past performance. But Chris constructs a very convincing, you know, possibility. I think it's going to be a close race. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's, you know, three or four points, like a 52-48 kind of situation for Joe Biden. Um. You know, every indication are when there are elections that are held in Ohio, Democrats win them. When there are elections that are held in in Wisconsin, Democrats. The election was held in Wisconsin, a swing state, the Republican for, for the Supreme Court that was going to decide the Supreme Court. And it was a referendum on Donald Trump. It was a 10 point win in a state that goes 59, like 51, 49 every year. So I say the best thing to look at is the actual elections. I don't think you're going to learn much in, in, in South Carolina today. I think you've, you've, you'll learn by taking a look at these special elections, some of these referenda. And we were talking about this whole notion of a woman's right to choose and IVF and everything else. Every single state that has had a referendum on the ballot about whether the American people in all kinds of different states, purple states, red states, blue states, Kansas of all places, when they said, do you want the Republican position on choice. Do you want Republicans in your in, in making these decisions for you? And those independent voters, Republican voters, Democratic voters say, no, we don't. And if you think that's not going to be an issue again in 2024, I think you're just not paying attention. I think this is that's why I raised this, this issue of this IVF controversy today. Now, the Republicans are scrambling to get out from under. They're flipping and flopping and deciding, oh, my God, I changed my mind or I didn't mean it. 
But if you think these things are going to go away, now it's going to be all across the country, people trying to figure out how they square their their life begins um, at conception position and um, and and banning IVF. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Uh, let's go to Edward in Florida. Hey, Edward, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, Anthony, you're so right on the issues. Uh, I'm, I was a little bit afraid uh, that the abortion thing was going to be coming back. And the other one that might come back for the de- Democrats is affirmative action. But for the Republicans, just to be fair here, uh, you have the post-George Floyd boomerang crime wave. And you got the boomerang from COVID because of the empty buildings. Nobody wants to work. You notice there's more litter on the streets now, too. So there you go. Well, go ahead, but finish the argument. I don't understand. There you go. What? That that's why Democrats did well in twenty in two thousand twenty. If it's if, if it's going to be regarding the abortion, and you can add affirmative action too. Oh, I, I see. Yeah, I look. I I think there's going to. I hate to say this. Because it, it kind of makes it like, well, why are we even talking about these issues for two hours? It, it's what it's going to basically come down to. A lot of it is this notion that a lot of independent voters said they were just over the Trump shtick after four years. It was too much drama, too much kind of too many the, the impeachment, everything else. It was, you know, he mismanaged COVID, everything else. He just wasn't very good at governing. And it could just come down to come to that. But but we can wait. It's going to happen. We can discuss the issues. We can debate them at 4 o'clock. Dominic and I are going to debate them. I'm sure he's going to be in the tank for, for Donald Trump again. He's representing the right. I, I, I could be wrong about this. I, I, I could be. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk either way. The issue of, of Joe, Biden's, um, Joe Biden's age is a problem. But even that, even that, I don't know if you did you hear Donald Trump yesterday? He kind of had a glitch. You, you know, I was watching these things. I didn't even know if we, if we, if we, Still have the cut. Let me look if we even have it on the list here. Yeah, this is this is Donald Trump yesterday. Apparently, he had to reset his 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 CPU because he glitched. Um, three years later, lady, lady, how about that? Three years later, he goes. Um, three years later, lady, lady, how about I mean, that? This is Give me all the Joe Biden tripping up the stairs videos. You've got that guy. By the way, that was that, that would play the same cut twice. I don't want to make people think he. I just. I mean, these guys are both old. They're both flawed candidates. I have said it once. I've said it a hundred times. We should have a law in this country that says no one over pick a number seventy can ever be president. But I think, given the choice, it's going to come down to it's going to come down to those guys. Um, it's going to come down to, I think, I think Joe Biden's going to win. Let's go to Gail in Westchester. Hey, Gail, welcome back. Hey there. Hi. Um, my honor speaking with you. I have a question for you and I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I vote on my gut feeling about someone. Hello. I'm with you. Um, I'd like to know, my first question is, I'd like to know the last time you voted for a Republican president. That's my first question. Second question is, um, do you believe, now be honest, please be honest. Do you believe that Joe Biden has a cognitive impairment? And it's not due to his age. 
I know people who are a hundred who are sharp as a tack. It's him. I I actually feel bad when he starts talking because I know he's going to mess up. Okay, I'm going to stop talking, and I'd like your. Well, I I, I appreciate it. I don't know. Do you, the, uh, this this is not Joe Biden. This is Donald Trump. Um, three years later, lady, lady, how about that? Three years later, he goes. Um, That's Donald Trump. Okay, so. I sometimes wonder, look, I think that Joe Biden is old, but I don't think it's I think he has physical things. I think the way he talks is not very powerful. He doesn't really project. He's got that back problem that makes him shuffle. He makes mistakes, but he's always been kind of a gaffe machine. So there, as far as whether I've ever voted for Republican, my first presidential election that I voted in was 1984. I voted for Walter Mondale. I have never voted for Republican. I'd probably chew my arm off before I ever did. But if I was, the closest I ever came was in 2013, changing my registration to vote Republican so I can vote for John Katsimatidis. And they say, I don't know how to suck up to my boss. We'll be right back. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Middle, I'm Anthony Weider. That's Mattis Yahoo. I don't know if you've been following what's going on with him. He has had shows disrupted because I don't know if it's one off or more than one. He is Jewish and he sings a lot in his most famous songs about he's basically a peace note about peace. Even that song here, turn the volume up a little on that. I mean, he he sing, he is about as lefty a Jewish voice as you're ever going to have. He is a proud Zionist, don't get me wrong. So he's had this problem that peop, that the, the I think it was just one off or maybe more than one, at performing places that he performs, the crew that's supposed to work at the place refuses to show up when he performs. And he's a pretty big deal. Um, anyway, so that's Modest Yahoo. I was going to talk a little bit more about Israel 
Let me touch on it a, a little bit, you know, because we have this weird dynamic going on. Maybe I'll expound, expand a little bit on this when I do my podcast this week. We have this at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Dominic Carter coming in at 4 o'clock, and we're going to have our showdown. So anyway, you know, we have this very weird dynamic going on that overwhelmingly people in the United States and their representatives in Congress support the idea of providing aid to Ukraine to stop Putin, to 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 support our allies, to discourage the Chinese, to discourage Putin from doing anything more, et cetera. And we have overwhelming support in, Cong- in Congress and in the United States for um, aid to Israel to help them continue the effort to wipe out Hamas and also to provide humanitarian aid for the, for, for the, the residents of Gaza. But it's stuck in Washington. It's stuck in Congress the House of Representatives won't even pay, won't even take it up because in this very weird dynamic that these two things that are broadly supported, you have Democrats largely within the uh, in the uh, uh, you have elements of the Democratic Party who have now who have always been very strong supporters of Israel are now turning against it and using Benjamin Netanyahu's leadership as a reason for it. And within the Republican Party, the party that used to be the tough on the Russian bear party, the party of Ronald Reagan standing up to the USSR, standing up to Russia, now they've gone weak in the knee in the Republican Party. So you have this very weird coalition. It's a minority coalition, but it is served to jam up the will of the people, which is to provide support for Ukraine and Israel. And I get what's going on on the left in our party. I do. I'm opposed to it, but I understand what's happening. And that is some of it is about Bibi Netanyahu and 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 the way he's pursued things. But some of it is this fundamental idea of this kind of ignorance on the left of the history and the idea of just, oh, that guy's got a bandana around his face and he's throwing stones. That's the guy I'm supporting, not realizing that the true Goliath in, the, in that region are the Arab states that surround Israel that have been trying to wipe her out since 1948 and have been trying to wipe out the Jews for generations, if not millennia. I get that part. And I get the idea that there are always going to be some know-nothings in the Republican Party who are just like, I don't want to get involved in anything. But the Republican Party, as the tough anti-communist party, standing up for our values, standing up against bullies, strong military, those types of things. I don't understand what's happened to the party. This Tucker Carlson weakness, this Donald Trump weakness around standing up to Putin, not realizing that you can't say, well, China's a bigger challenge, but do you don't think she is watching and saying, huh, these guys won't stand up for the Ukrainians on the doorstep of NATO they're not going to mind if I if I try to invade Taiwan. I mean, the it is amazing to me the fundamental weakness of the Republican Party right now. And I, I, it's mysterious. And I talked a little bit about the Hunter Biden, you know, that kind of stuff. All right, you want the you want Democrats to lose, but Democrats are the opposition. But people like Putin, people like Xi, these are our real. This is our country. This is like these are our, you know, and I don't think I mean, I ultimately at the end of the day think that she is too, you know, that that too much of China's future is wrapped up with ours to do anything as stupid as what Putin is doing. But if you don't think the message is going to be loud and clear 
the message of weakness that's being sent right now for not standing up for uh, standing up against Putin. So it's a weird coalition. It's a coalition of lefties in the Democratic Party and I don't know who on the Republican side. This coalition of wackadoodles, the Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump wing of the party, I guess it is, um, has now stopped us from doing what, I don't know, 75 percent of American people believe we should do. Help out the Ukrainians and help out the Israelis. Helping our allies is good business for us. It means we don't have to put boots on the ground. It means, you know, we're not we don't have problems. Come and visit us. And it's just so mysterious to me how the worm has turned on all this stuff. I I was in Congress up until 2011. I do not recognize this. I do not recognize it at this point. What goes on in Congress? You would we would have if there was one issue that there was no partisanship on. It was Israel. And and now ever since I hate to say this, but ever since Bibi Netanyahu came to Congress and was critical of Obama and and, you know, tried to meddle in our politics, maybe that was where it started. I don't know. We have a real problem with our left with Israel, but it's also, man, I could not imagine having a conversation about standing up to Russia when I was in Congress, you know, in 2011 or 10 years ago. And not have bipartisan people standing up. Says we're going to roll these guys who are standing in the way. Not that there weren't know nothings, there weren't isolationists then, but we would roll them. We say, look, you don't speak for the American people. So it's it's fascinating what's going on there. Uh, next, let's go to uh, Oscar in Nassau County. Hey, Oscar, welcome. Hey, Anthony, how you doing? Um, first of all, I've been listening to talk radio for decades, and I have to say, you are, are dynamite. I don't agree with you on the policies, but I think you've really come into your own for the last couple of years. And, uh, Thank you. I'm keep grateful. Up the good work. I'm grateful. The rerun of the election from 2020, I think we have to understand that at the time, a lot of people didn't know what was going on with Biden. They knew him, but they didn't really know how he was going to run the country. And we had the George Floyd protests and COVID, and it was a lot – it was kind of messy that whole time. But now that we have four years, I don't know if independents – look, I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Trump probably. I'm not a big fan. I agree with his policies. But – I think a lot of independents now, they can compare four years of Trump and four years of Biden. And as far as the Swazi um, seat goes, you know, that, that, that seat was held by Steve Israel, Tom Swazi. That was, that was going to go to the Dems no matter what this time around. I mean, Santos was, you know, he was, he was, he was a, an aberration. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And by the way, thank you for the kind words. I think your analysis might be right that 2020 was a weird year for a lot of reasons. But if you look at the things that generally people vote on, the economy, I think Republicans have not been talking a lot about the economy recently because things have largely turned around. Stock market is much higher than it was under Donald Trump. Job creation is higher than it was under Donald Trump. Obviously, we we lost jobs under Donald Trump. And also, you know, you say, okay, we had George Floyd and we had COVID, but we also had was a little taste of what four year or a big taste of what four years of Donald Trump was like when you run as an incumbent and you're running for reelection, it is a referendum on the incumbent. And let's just let's not let's not forget the history. 2016, Donald Trump gets elected against against Hillary Clinton, loses the popular vote by four or five million. 2017, the first time that anyone could um, could vote in, in a, a, a you know, kind of cast a, a vote on on the the Trump era, 
in Virginia, in New Jersey, a sweep. The legislature goes Democrat for the first time in 40 years. 2018, an epic win for the Democrats running against um, Trumpism. 2020, we know what happened. 2022, an off year when inflation is running out of control, when the border is a mess, when when Joe Biden is tripping over every word. And not only did the Democrats win, they swamped. They they did they won races they never should should have won. Traditionally, if you're running as a midterm, that should be the Republicans. Red wave, it was nothing. And then finally, the point that you make about about New York three, I agree. Maybe it is sui generis. Maybe it is a Democratic seat. I can tell you it was polling at one and two, and it turned out to be eight. I can tell you it was a seat that actually includes places like Creedmoor, which were immigration ground zero, and Democrats went from plus six to plus 19. So, okay, you can say ignore all of the recent stuff and look back at COVID. I just don't see a lot of indications that it is that great an environment. Now, previous caller about Joe Biden's age, maybe that trumps everything. Maybe none of it matters but that because literally they can't imagine someone that old being president. In that case, maybe Oscar's right. And we'll be right back after the break. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Rick Astley. I got a funny story about Rick Astley, about that song. I'm here till 4 o'clock. You heard the ad, by the way? Dominic Carter. In the ad, he's like, man, we're, we were told to, anyway, well, Dominic Carter at 4 o'clock, him, him and me, left versus right. So there's that Rick Astley song. You just heard it. So Jordan, Jordan hears it. He's into the song a little bit. And I've, I, I, I remember, in, I guess, 1985 it came out, 1986. I remember when it came out. I had not knowing what, what Rick Astley looked like. I'm like, I figured he was like a Barry White type guy. You know, he's got that voice. He's got that good voice. So I say to Jordan, I said, Jordan, what do you think this guy looks like? Because when I hear him, I hear the voice of a 300-pound black guy referring to Barry White. Jordan was so offended. He's like, that's so racist. And I'm trying to explain to him, I don't know. I didn't mean it to be racist. I was trying to make the parallel with a 
one that I know, Barry White, who's got also got a maybe a deeper voice, but kind of that kind of soulful voice. And whenever we hear that song, Jordan busts out the same thing. Jordan, he said, Dad, remember you know, like how racist you are when you heard that song? And I'll be honest, I don't have a really good defense. I'm not 100% sure he's wrong. I wasn't trying to be. I want to just say that. And um, But that's the, that's what that song makes remind me of, Jordan calling me out for my racism. Because I said it sounded like a 300-pound black guy because I thought it was like Barry White. But he just heard me describe something as being like a black guy. And so he thinks I'm a racist, which I hope I'm not. Uh, anyway, let's go back to the calls for a few more minutes. Um, but before we do, you know, there there's, there's this argument about IVF, about the Dobbs decision, about right to life and all these things. And I keep hearing these Republicans describe themselves as being pro-life, and now they're all tied up in knots about how they're going to get out from under this IVF decision because, frankly, if you believe that life begins at conception, then this, this court in Alabama made the right decision that you can't freeze a life, you can't destroy a life. And so I'm Googling around IVF and, and pro-life, and I came across this study that someone went and looked at, at whether you are more likely or less likely to live a long, healthy life if you are in a state that is governed by a Republican governor or a Democratic governor. Of the 10 states with the highest rates of death from influenza, suicide, and murder, seven of them are Republican. Of the 10 states with the highest rates of death for heart disease, kidney disease, or Alzheimer's, of those 10 states, the top 10, eight are Republican. Of the 10 states with the lowest life expectancies and the highest rates of firearm deaths, workplace fatalities, motor vehicle deaths, and premature mortality, that is dying before you're 75, nine are Republican. And so I started looking at the methodology for this. And they adjust for age. So it's not just the older states have more of these. And it got me thinking, you know, if you are really going to be pro-life, I guess I am too. But that includes everybody, right? It includes people at all stages of their life and all stages of their development. And I think you can be supportive of life and also support good health care, also support a universal minimum wage, also support universal access to health care, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, support food for the for the for the five million or so children who are going to go to bed tonight hungry. Um, these are not things that are usually associated with the Republican Party or with people who say that they're pro-life. But I, I could be wrong. Uh, let's go to Janet in Bergen County. Hey, Janet, thank you for calling. Hi, I have two things to answer. One thing which is very important that America should never forget: nine eleven. Israel is the only country. France said you cannot fly over and refuel our planes. England said you cannot fly over and refuel our planes. But Israel said you can come whenever you want and get fuel. And that, to me, is very important. And we we share science and medicine with Israel. They have done some wonderful things. And the other thing that was that, um, just a reminder, because a lot of people forget That's that. That's a very good reminder. Thank you, Janet. And the other thing I want to tell you, two things. In reference to um, abortion, yes, I could say yes, but there should be a cutoff point for a woman to make a choice. I'll never forget, as long as I live, Obama saying, if they're having an abortion and the baby comes out alive and you're holding the baby, the mother and the doctor can decide, and that's in your He's, I mean, I don't even want to say it, like the end of nine months, 
that you could do it. I don't think that's right either. No, no, that, that's but I, that's not an abortion. That 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 you that that's not a thing. That a man or a woman, they have contraceptives, you know, and they're not expensive. And I think the government pays for it. We pay hundreds and thousands of millions of dollars a year for women to have an abortion. It's ridiculous. They do it as a birth control. I know for a fact because there are fewer abortions than any time in American history, Janet. I mean, if you make something, if look here, Janet, I think you've given this a lot of thought, and I appreciate it. And and but the the question is not whether or not there should be some kind of a a rule. It's that whether or not politicians should be making them. If an individual person, I mean, listen, this is a this is a person. My brother, am I allowed to say this? I don't know if I'm allowed. I don't know if, if this is public. My brother Jason was an oops baby. Jason, if you're listening, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I cannot imagine not having Jordan around. I mean, this is a profoundly difficult question, and it's probably gut wrenching for the for the families that are involved in making the decision. No one is suggesting that it's anything less than that. Well, you sh- it's a frivolous conversation. The question for me as someone who is who spent time in government is there are some things that, you know, there are some issues that I would learn a lot about. Healthcare is in, you know, financing is one of the things that I think I've, I learned a lot about. That's why I advocated for a single payer healthcare system, but I would never advocate for me to go into an emergency room and start making decisions for people because I don't think that that's, that's not my, my idea of the role of government. I believe, and now maybe this is where left and right can can agree, is that we believe there should be, you know, limits to what government in, in, intercedes in our life with. And in the case of the Dobbs decision, it was the first time in American history that citizens in our country lost a right. I mean, unless you want to talk about prohibition is maybe the exception, and that got reversed. And so it's a step backwards. And and what then the point that I'm making about this IVF decision is it was a step backwards that created problems that were completely foreseeable. If you start to say, if you start to say that at the point of conception someone gets legal protections as if they're a person, then how did, how is it not foreseeable that you're going to have situations like this? You have legislatures that want to make criminals out of doctors that want to make criminals out of women who cross state lines to get reproductive health care. I don't I believe that if left and right are going to come together on anything, it's going to be that. And by the way, in this election, you have one candidate, Donald Trump. I think he said he supports a 15 week abortion ban, a national abortion ban. And another candidate who says, no, we should have a constitutional right for this thing. And the way the Supreme Court divvied it up, with Roe v. Wade in the trimester distinction, imperfect, not great, not something I would have written. But at least it was it was something that that had been working for for two generations of women. And now that third generation is waking up and saying, wait a minute, I lost that right. Now I only have that right if I'm in certain states. I don't have a constitutional right to that. I'm at the whim of a state legislator. Really? And that's that's the thing. And if people have individual strongly held views on abortion, you're not the only one.
But part of governance is deciding what we are going to impose on people and what values we're going to impose on people. And as far as as the example of a live birth that someone is allowed to kill, that's not a thing. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not permitted. No one's suggesting that. Even late-term abortions are not really things. These are hypothetical things that, that are not things. And it's certainly not something that you ban IVF because you're concerned about some story that you heard about Obama said it's okay for a woman and her baby. My, my general view, though, is I don't want to be legislating decisions like that from afar, particularly when you look at legislatures around the country, overwhelmingly wealthy white men. By the way, this guy's singing? Sounds like a 300-pound black guy, but he's not. If you ever see Rick Astley, he's like a scrawny white guy who's probably getting old at this point. I just realized that was the 1980s. He's probably pushing 60 or something. But then again, so am I. We'll see you on the other side. The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. So welcome back to the middle. We're about to wrap up at 4 o'clock. i got to go get limbered up. I hear the sound of Dominic Carter. He's going to be coming in for Left versus Right, our debate series. We're going to continue this, I think. I mean, I'm not in charge of anything around here, but they keep throwing different people at me, and people bring different ideas, different styles. I mean, Dominic, you know, he's he's been debating and arguing. He's one of the real superstars around here. He has his, his own show every every weekday. So hopefully you'll stick around for that. If you hear me screaming on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, that's me heading to the emergency room, but maybe it won't be that bad. Let's go to Sharon. Hey, Sharon, welcome back. Hi. Um, Listen, Anthony, um, I just wanted to let you know that I so enjoy listening to you and Curtis because of the style that you use. It's a conversational style. Uh, Dominic, I heard you and uh, Dominic uh, when you covered for Frank overnight one night. And John, I'm not complaining about John and Dominic. I'm just saying the styles are different. They like more of a debate style. However, lively debate uh, dictates that everybody has an opportunity to speak it without interruptions <laughs> and speaking that's over a cha- people and saying, let's move on now. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's a challenge. But you you actually touched on something that's a real subject of debate here within the halls of WABC 
and online and other places. And and it's two different things. Curtis and I, when we originally were going to start doing the show, it was conceived as kind of a debate show. That's why it's got left versus right and boxing gloves and everything else. And you can get episodes of it on the Red Apple Podcast Network or wherever you you get your 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 podcast. But there also should be some place on the dial where left and right are kind of hashing some of the stuff out. Now, that's what the callers do with me. But also, it's a little bit of a different vibe. Now, one of the things that people sometimes are surprised at is that Curtis and I, although he's a Republican and I'm a Democrat, we came up in New York at very similar times. He's a little older than I, but we very similar parts of the city. We have very similar cultural experiences. And I think one of the reasons I think he's been an effective candidate for mayor and someday could be a good mayor is that this notion that he and I both share that there's not a Democrat or Republican way to collect the garbage, that running a city is not a truly partisan thing. Now, sometimes you need to be like the way, you know, I think that Eric Adams should be much tougher on the national Republicans for the way they've abandoned cities and the way they've abandoned the immigration problems. But putting that aside for a moment, as a function of style, when you're talking about the city, it's, you know, sometimes you just he and I found that we have a lot of agreement and also you know, he's a little bit hard to have affection for. It's kind of like hugging a porcupine. But, you know, Curtis is a real radio pro, and I'm so grateful for the support that he's given. But, you know, John Katsimatidis and Margo and Chad and the people that kind of think through what would be best. You know, we do think a lot around here about how is the conversation advanced the best. And one thing that's been an absolute given is we got to get every viewpoint has to be welcome. I mean, sometimes you'll go hours and hours on the air here without hearing anyone pushing back. And but here, here I am two hours every every Saturday where, uh, you know, no one ever, ever says to me, you can't say A, B or C. You no one that never happens. And so um, that's why I think that our, our listening audience is very well served. That's why it's growing. That's why more people are, are coming to the show. Now, as far as the interrupting stuff, I'm guilty of it. John was guilty of it. When, when I was on with Dominic, we're going to try not, we'll try not to interrupt each other much when we come at, at the top of the hour when we start our, our conversation. Um, yes, that's, that, I don't think it's good radio for people to be talking over each other. That's why I think me and, um, uh, 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 me and Roger Stone, actually, a lot of people thought that we got mixed reviews on that one. A lot of people liked it because it was very kind of polite back and forth. Um, but some people are like, how come you didn't say this? How come you didn't say that? And I'm like, look, we're just we're having a conversation here. We're trying to make it uplifting. Here's the model that we'll never achieve, but the model is Gore Vidal versus William F. Buckley at the 1968 conventions. Those two brilliant men hated each other, absolutely hated each other to their deaths. Um, but it was such riveting thing to watch that ever since then, with Crossfire and everything else, Hannity and Combs and everything. Everyone's been trying to achieve that again. And what very often happens is someone is set up to be a patsy. In the case of Hannity and Combs, Combs was set up to be a patsy on Fox News. Here, we don't have patsies. You got Dominic Carter is not going to, he's not going to go soft on anybody. I, I, I won't either. I am arguably the most skilled debater in the history of WABC radio. Thank you very much. I say that with my tongue in cheek. 
Um, but there are no patsies here. These issues are serious. The debates are serious. We don't always get it right. But one thing that is definitely the case is that there won't be a situation, well, oh, you're not allowed to say A, B, or C. We, we get into all the issues, and that's why it's a real honor for me to be on the air here. It's an honor for me um, to hear from all of you. Once again, you guys did a, 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 a great job as the callers. I want to thank uh, Ava. I want to thank uh, Christian. I want to thank who's, who, uh, who's still on the, on the phones back there. It's hard to I can see with the reflection. Um, and, and Jonas for helping out with the calls. And we'll see you again next week. And stay tuned now for Left versus Right Round 5 or whatever it is featuring Anthony Weiner and Dominic Carter. Thank you so much. I'm grateful for your support.